We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Night Stalker episode, The Five People You Meet in Hell. The city prosecutor is briefly chatting with his father at his son's Little League ball game. The elder man tells his son, you know what you have to do. After which he gets up and he savagely murders his wife with a baseball bat. He returns to the game soaked in blood to watch his son win the game. It is later revealed that the prosecutor's father has been dead for years. Kolchak is all over that story. But no one else seems to care that the killer was egged on by a vision of his deceased father. Later, a local judge murders her husband with a knife after seeing their dead daughter, who has left her a message in refrigerator magnets saying, you know what you have to do. Perry pieces together that the prosecutor and the judge had something in common. They were the prosecution and the judge for Damien Kaler, a dangerous charge. Charles Manson wannabe from some years ago. Kaler is a master manipulator, a games player that even now, blinded and in solitary confinement in prison, seems to know far more than he should about the murders, and also far too much about Carl Kolchak. Kaler made lots of enemies in prison, and he was blinded in a murder attempt by another inmate. Kolchak theorizes that Kaler has somehow gained the ability to do his manipulations entirely through the power of his mind because of it, even from prison. The cop in charge of the case happens to be the third person Kaler would want revenge on, and when Kolchak mentions that the cop had mentioned talking to his partner, Vincenzo points out that his partner has been dead for some time. They race to his home just in time to prevent him from shooting his wife. Convinced Kaler is somehow involved, they agree to move him to a faraway prison facility in another state. Meanwhile, Kolchak keeps tabs on the final person that Kaler would want to kill, Perry Reed, the reporter that got the story that led to his conviction. As Kolchak watches over the sleeping Perry, Kolchak's dead wife shows up at the door and says, you know what you have to do. He then gets a knife. At the prison, the cop and the warden have conspired to put Kaler in the common room with the other prisoners while he waits for his transfer. The prisoners murder Kaler, and Kolchak's spell is broken before he can harm Perry. Okay, the five people you meet in hell, a play on the book, the five people you meet in heaven. And the second okay. episode of the new series. Uh, I didn't. What? I didn't. I was wondering about Why what five? the title meant. After, <laughs> well, yeah. yes, I hadn't. I hadn't counted up how many ghosts we got. It wasn't as many as five, was it? But I no, yes. Yeah, no, and weren't as many victims. Yeah, there, I mean, there were only four people. It looked like he was going to kill, so there would only be four ghosts. Ta. I was thinking about that when I just before the podcast. I'm like, what? Why is it the five people you meet in hell? So I did a little quick check, and it was a 2003 book called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. So this was 2005, and that had been a bestseller for many weeks. So it was just a play on the name, I, I assume. I haven't read the book, so I don't think there's any similarities. But uh, so, uh, what did you what did you think of this episode? Well, I thought it was a bit of an a bit, a bit of an odd second episode, really, to be honest, because it. It, it it doesn't it, it, it seems to be trying to do a number of things and it's not necessarily doing them very well one thing it doesn't seem to be doing much of is kind of consolidating after the opening episode consolidating but, as in uh, as as in um trying to uh c- continue continue to establish the relationship between the lead characters because 
there was obviously a bit a little bit of uh, friction going on in that first episode and they all had to come together to save the day and now they just seem to basically have slipped into certain roles that um okay they recognize the kind of level of mutual dependency that doesn't necessarily seem to reflect the amount of time they've known each other in fair enough in, you know in the in, in the impression they give to me um but also also we've kind of got this thing with uh with Kolchak now where so i mean the thing is with how am I going to put this? With with uh, Darren McGavin Kolchak, we knew that he was, as a reporter, so maybe sometimes I've, I've questioned his competence as a reporter, but there's no doubt in in kind of his, his ambition to, to get that scoop. And that, you know, that's what he's, that's what he, he's always after. That's what gets him out of bed in the morning. Okay. He, even if sometimes he gets a little bit distracted by his bloodlust to go and <laughs> uh, stick a stake through a vampire's heart or some other monster. Um, the thing that I'm not so clear about with that we call Stuart Townsend Kolchak is how much being a reporter matters to him because he so at this press conference at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. he straight away latches on to this thing about the the, the I, I get I guess it's uh, what the police see as an excuse or a, a red herring to do with the, the the perpetrator's father who who was dead and he straight away latches onto it and wants to investigate that and to me watching it I, I mean obviously having seen the preamble I'm kind of thinking well yes that is important but looking at the press conference I'm thinking why would anyone take that seriously here's here's someone who's just committed a pretty uh, bloody and gruesome uh, domestic murder and Kolchak wants to take what he's saying at face value why does he want to mm. do that why would it why would anyone else take him seriously because it doesn't seem to be a, a, a good move as a reporter so there are a couple of there are a couple of possibilities there with this one is the kind of the the kind of the Mulder insight if you like mm. where you know when Mulder comes up with some crazy ass theory he's he, the, there's a pretty good chance that if he's not right he's heading in the right direction even though what he's pulled out sounds c- completely insane because we know him and it's been established but what's clever about the Mulder setup is that Mulder is where he is in the FBI well he's got where he's been in the FBI by being an incredibly brilliant criminal profiler okay and you know he's graduated from Oxford University so he's a he's a top scholar and he has had this kind of glittering career but also he's ended up in the basement because he comes out with all these wacky theories <laughs> yes in much the same way that you would imagine that if some brilliant surgeon suddenly decided that uh, homeopathy was the answer to everything. If the hospital that employed him couldn't find a way of sacking him, they'd certainly find a way of sidelining him pretty quickly. And you'd think, well, they'd be right to do so. So one possibility with Kolchak is maybe he has been a brilliant reporter. And we kind of got that in the last episode where, you know, got all the background on the the stuff that was actually proper. Well, say proper, but he was investigating more conventional stuff to do with corruption. And he brought about the, the downfall of this crime boss. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's got a, a track record in in a criminal investigation in, in criminal reporting. But what what yeah, what's with what's with the kind of crazy following these theories that, you know, are not they, they, yeah, they might get investigated, but they're probably the last thing you'd look at rather than the first thing when you're trying to establish facts of the story. It's it's a good question. Um I I think obviously, you know, there's more than just a passing setup here to make him molder. He is supposed to be a really good up and coming young journalist. They absolutely said that. And-
and mm-hmm. Vincenzo is backing him, even though he's kind of iffy mm-hmm. about either his mental stability or the fact that he might have killed his wife, which was not proved, and therefore the man is innocent. Um, he has his own set of X files, which we talked. He talked about at the last yep, yep. thing. So I mean, he in the intervening time between when he left Las Vegas and went nuts, and now he has <laughs> been studying these things. So I think that's what's supposed to you know he is looking for the he is looking for the crazy hook and so you know, it's, the, the, it's that that's the Mulder setup right and that's that. Samantha as opposed to his wife you know Mulder's Samantha and yep. it's his wife it's it's I've got to know because these weird things are happening well sure but 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 the the wife the wife thing isn't his Samantha yeah because well I think it is so, I think that's what triggered him into this world of investigating the the weird stuff oh but Samantha disappeared when Mulder was seven or something yeah so it, there is this there's this background nagging question in Mulder's mind all through his life but he still manages to have a successful academic career and all the rest of it and he, you know he goes on to, to, to career success at the FBI but ultimately maybe some kind of breakdown or whatever but probably not he's he's taken a different path and the interesting thing about Mulder the, the thing that particularly makes him work I think is because he has a he has a kind of self-awareness he knows what people say behind his back all the kind of spooky Mulder stuff and the rest of it and so when he puts some crazy theory to Scully he's expecting her to think it's not yeah the, the thing the thing with with uh, Kolchak's wife it seems to me is it's much more recent mm-hmm. and the suggestion in this is that the reason that he is immediately jumping to take this perpetrator's word at base value is because he has this difficulty with the idea of someone being accused of murdering their wife there's there's a there's a straight up you know they're, ch- they're chatting about it in Vincenzo's mm-hmm. office and he says this and they all kind of go silent and, and look yep. at him mm-hmm. and so the, su- the suggestion is there that he's he's not being brilliant and insightful and Mulder-esque he's just being uh, oversensitive no, yeah. or he's obsessing Defensive, on that yeah. concept yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and and the first thing when um, you know Perry and, and Kolchak come out of the press conference um, you know have you seen the body yes she didn't have the mark so I mean there's shorthand there just in case like is this tied to the death of your wife is this one of those mystery cases that you're investigating and you know he had told us in the previous episode with all those files that he had of the bizarre and mysterious deaths some of them had the mark some of them didn't have the mark so it wasn't you know so there's a lot more weird stuff going on than just is associated with that with that mark I will say this is it possible because I really do think that they've just tried to set him up as a sort of alternate Mulder I mean they've given him all the pieces that the the obsessive background history the the fact that he's competent whether they've done as good a job of setting him up as a character I think is you know that's that's regrettable perhaps that they have not but then Mulder is the archetype that they are copying and so they're using they're kind of using a shorthand I think and and that may be not as successful but you know the fact that it comes out at a press conference could that not be if if not uh, intentional well it's probably intentional homage to original Kolchak that he's always bringing up his wacky stuff and, and questions at the press conferences to irritate the police I mean that was kind of part of the formula <laughs> sure right? well but... what about the fact that the victim had two bite marks in their neck and their blood was drained out like a vampire really sure. Mr. Kolchak who are you with you know so yeah. no I, 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 I'm I, sure there are elements of that and again I think this is part of the problem that they are doing a lot of things in this episode and they might be better off doing focusing on one thing and doing it well so we've got we've got Kolchak being the kind of uh, proto molder we've got him being the the um, well I the, the, fal- the falsely accused husband in a murder who's very sensitive about it and we've got this this uh, homage to Kolchak um, as in the, the, you know McGavin Kolchak but the difference is you kind of know why Kolchak's doing it when he does it so you know pa- 
partly you get the sense that he's taking a a real pleasure in putting a a question to a police captain which he knows will annoy him Mm -hmm. and also usually he's asking a question that has least I can't quite believe I'm saying this after everything I said about the (laughs) the, the, Gavin Kolchak at least you know some kind of basis in the the evidence that he's seen so some real purpose for the question I mean maybe maybe I maybe I have higher standards for this one maybe that's (laughs) that's what's going on with it but it could be it could be it, 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 it seems to me that we're just what we're doing here is we're, t- we're taking a leap with with Kolchak be- and we're just we're being asked to go along with it because we've already seen that he's right and having him kind of slowly come to that realisation would just take up valuable seconds of plot time and a similar thing happens then when when Kolchak go, uh, looks at what's been going on and, he's, and he says um, it has all the hallmarks of spirit possession see now I thought that was his most Mulder moment and, and it goes back to something you said well, earlier about how if Mulder comes up with a wild theory if he's not right he's on the right track and that's exactly what we have here he's not right I don't sure, think but, but he's kind of on kind of on the right track well but he he is he is kind of right he is in the sense that there are well this is I mean this is one of the things that I don't I don't understand I mean the, the, the issue with it is it didn't seem to me that he had anything that would match and the, I mean this is this is the thing with with some of the uh, cold chat ones is that there was there was a kind of legend that mm-hmm. you could basically kind of con- con- yeah it, it it conveniently matched and you could you could see how that kind of it inspired some of the x-files stuff and then later on they didn't have enough legends to keep going so they made up some slightly dodgy ones but with the x-files you do get the sense that um Mulder usually has a, a kind of handful of cases that he says match that, that's true you know there, there is there there is something else going on and then maybe that connects to some legend or some supernatural explanation of it where it didn't seem to me that in any sense Kolchak said that there was something here that chimed with something he had previous experience of or he had something in his personal files connection it was just so straight well yeah all of all these are hallmarks of spirit possession mm, okay but then was it spirit again it seems to be doing too many too many things was it spirit possession or was it Keylor um you know reaching out with his mind to well I mean that was the possession part of it wasn't it they they weren't possessed by spirits but they did see spirits yeah so were they spirits or were they just figment yeah no or I what what were, were, were they generated by Keylor or were they generated by something he did how how was it that you know so the suggestion of the, the, the spirit girl, possession stuff the mousy girl when they were talking about the way he manipulated people in person before he lost his sight is that he digs into your memories he digs into your memories and he pulls oh, out stuff okay. that makes okay. you do things oh, so I, I i i will withdraw i will withdraw my criticism actually that that pretty much conclusively answers my question but you know she was experiencing it before he had his supernatural power maybe he maybe he did still have it sort of it's just been amplified by being blinded <clears throat> i don't know i do want to draw another uh, couple of x-files comparisons here i'm the, there's 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 many i think in this episode this episode reminds me so so much of beyond the sea beyond uh, the sea that is where skelly's dad's spirit yes. and the prisoner is trying to and they're like no he's he's manipulating you and you never really know kind of at the end what what was going on um and i checked it's not the same writer although spotnitz you know was you know is involved in the series and it also kind of reminds me of another episode and i cannot think of which one it was but was there not an episode of the x-files where the warden basically arranged for a troublesome prisoner to be put somewhere where the other prisoners would kill him something like that happened i i, I oh, cannot I couldn't pin that one down but i just have this feeling like i've seen that somewhere else and and the x-files seemed like you know problem solved and and but not mystery you know 
Well, I maybe our listeners will will remember what I'm talking about, or maybe I'm I'm misremembering something, but I, I seem to remember a very similar situation to that uh, in in one of the episodes. I, I will I will say this. Um, say what you will for it. It's beautiful. This this show is beautifully, ridiculously. <laughs> you know gorgeous the the houses that everyone has the views over the city even when they're in the newsroom and they're managing to walk along essentially the length of the entire uh floor and looking out at the los angeles um freeways you know if that's special effects that's amazing for 2005 and i think it's just a practical set and it's 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 beautiful and and the night photography is gorgeous and the the way it was shot with the the cop's partner who is you know they're yeah. in scenes with our characters not interacting with them and you would never know that he's a ghost or that he's not you know not there i mean it's really well done when i'm watching you know i'm watching it this time knowing that that guy was a ghost or a fake or a figment and there were a couple things about that and i thought this is really good direction in cinematography so it's directed by rob bowman who was the director on the at least the first x-files feature i believe oh okay all right well probably part of that same um which also looked pretty amazing uh, yeah, it's it's and, and it, I, I want to bring one thing up about the shot because I never I was paying very close attention. We never actually see anyone see the words in refrigerator magnets to say, you know what you have to do, except for the woman who commits the murder, the cop who's going to commit a murder and his dead partner. Is yeah. it there? <laughs> Is it on the wall or is it not? Because it's never shown. No one else ever sees it. It's not in any other shot as as they go through the go through the house. Good question. <laughs> and I, I'm like, because if it is there, then hmm. But just because the partner, you know, draws his attention to it, and, uh, 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 you know, and they shrug and like, uh, it's like that's totally could be in his mind. <laughs> just prepping him for the next stage. Um. Anyway, I, I I just brought that up because I just you know when I was watching the show, uh, really was just struck by how nice. Nicely, nicely done it was uh, and obviously the standard of the 90s instead of or the 2000s instead of the standard of the 1970s but I mean just even for any other show that I'm watching it, it was really nicely done I, I thought in that respect which helps yeah it does help uh, let's see what else do we have here uh, Vincenzo talk to me about how, how you see Vincenzo in this episode um, vis-a-vis his you know differences between this Vincenzo and the original Vincenzo um, I I had some thoughts where at the end Kolchak is still kind of, you know, like Kaler's doing this, he's manipulating it with the mind and, and Vincenzo is like, I have I, I completely agree that Kaler's doing this, just not the way you think he is so, better newsman? Uh, well, and, I mean, competence, <laughs> yes undoubtedly, as as in he, yeah, I mean the, the whole characterization of Vincenzo makes so much more sense to me because he seems to be someone who knows his staff, he knows, he knows what their strengths and weaknesses are and he knows when to listen to them and when to give them directions and you know in fairness at, at the end when to kind of when to worry about them and when he needs to he can he can get a couple of patrol officers to to uh, go around to Perry's mm-hmm. flat um, so you know he's basically doing his job and doing it really well instead of just shouting at his staff and complaining about his digestion I'm still missing Miss Emily though um, <laughs> surely there's room for Miss Emily somewhere in the show now yeah I, Perry is Miss Emily. That that at the end, um, when he, you know, when Jane is, you know, I can't get Jane through to Kolchak, you know, I can't get I can't get Kolchak's phone, nobody's picking it up at Perry's house, and they get worried. I couldn't quite believe it was Jane that was the one that was solving it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, at least he's not he's not so incompetent as to be only as Jimmy Olsen, the most incompetent cub reporter in the history of, <laughs> of well, reporting. Well, yes, I mean, that, that's that's true. And, and uh, given that I thought he was going to be killed last episode and wasn't, then at least they're, you know, they're trying to build him back up again. Oh, but, you know, it does again, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that Vincenzo believes he just believes something bad is going on at Perry's apartment. But he's willing to, you know, willing to go and, and, and try to take care of the business. So, yeah, no, I, sure. I and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't feel he needs to have an argument with Kolchak over it. He may think Kolchak is completely wrong, but that on its own is not a good enough argument to have a ding dong about it. Mm. If just bring if me proof. Wrong, I feel like yeah, that's the phrase he'd use. Just bring me the proof, Carl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which, you know, is what Oakland Vincenzo should always have done rather than trying to shout at shout at Kolchak <laughs> until he accepted that he was wrong without doing any kind of further research of his own. Could you make I'm not trying to justify Oakland's position, but I'm kind of trying to justify Oakland's position here. Could you at least make the argument that I am paying a reporter to do a job and he's telling me that there are little fairies flying around dropping acorns on people's heads and oh he's he's wasting he's wasting his time not getting the story he's it's so far out there that it's just a complete waste of our time and therefore you need to rein him back in as opposed to this episode as an example where it's clear Kaler is somehow involved and Kolchak is you know he's on that and it's like you keep figuring out how Kaler's doing it not you know like it's not a vampire call it Carl, it's a you know we know who it is just figure out how he's doing it and uh, anyone I I, I I I so yes Oakland Vincenzo would have a, a justifiable and you think you know a British a British tabloid editor would probably have a lot less uh, patience than uh who, who 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 is Vincenzo in? See, I haven't even looked at, looked him up. I, I'll have to. Oh, the actor's name? Cotter Cotter Smith. Forgive me, Cotter Smith. Smith Vincenzo. Um, as I say, I, f- I I I find him to be a good manager of his people and a competent newsman. But I can imagine, you know, in in British tabloids with uh, foul-mouthed and short-tempered editors seeming to be the norm, that there would be very little patience for for this kind of thing. So I I, I can see how I can I can see how Oakland Vincenzo might be annoyed but at the end of the day mm. you've either got to <clears throat> or get off the pot yeah and so he should either have sacked Kolchak or he should have accepted that Kolchak was going to do his own thing and you know Turn let him get story, on with yeah. it because arguing about it wasn't doing anything you've got you've got to do one or the other at the end of the day and what he ended up doing was a lot of unproductive and tedious arguing so yeah. Yes, there's a just there's a justification for if you've got a member of staff who does come up with these fairies at the bottom of your garden nonsense to to you know t- tell him off or sack him, but. I'm not sure that totally justifies. Um, and, and again, it's not Simon Oakland's uh, as an actor that I object to. It's the way he was written and the way he was directed. Right. And that actor has been given lots of, or was given lots of, relatively boisterous um, parts. That was kind of a that was kind of a thing for his for his acting. I mean, he could be a good guy. Sure, but, but he's great in he's Bullet, a, for example. Yeah, he's a big, loud. Yeah, he. I think he got a lot of gangster roles. You know, the kind of Italian uh, mobster kind of thing. Too. Too, so. Well, he has the look, yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to Kaylor, do you think this is all psychic? I mean, is he, is he getting everything that he gets out of Kolchak or the fact that Perry's outside the door and won't come in? Or is it all, is he, is he reading minds? Is he, I mean, he, he knew about Kolchak before Kolchak walked in the door, where he seemed well, to. Well, I mean, that that was, again, I mean, I, I was confused enough not to, not to have realized that the spirits that people were seeing were not real spirits. And I still have some difficulty 
difficulty understanding exactly what was going on at the end of the story. Again, it seems to me it wouldn't have harmed this to have a, a, a plot with a little bit more simplicity in it because... Or maybe narration. Kolchak could have... Could have... <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry. God. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was it was just that um, it made some kind of sense that he had to get his victims in the room or close enough or whatever to be able to get a read on them, to be able to project the, the into their minds and to to conjure up these these spirits or at least these memories. But in fact, he wasn't actually reaching for Perry at all. He was reaching for Kolchak, who he'd already had in the room. So, mm. what was the point of getting Perry in the room? Was Physical his, contact when Kolchak snatches her arms back but why does he why does he need it mm-hmm. because it's it's Kolchak he, he ends up reaching or was he aiming for Perry and that Kolchak was his fallback because obviously in every other case he's made the the person he's after his target the perpetrator of a crime rather than the victim of one whereas mm-hmm. it's clearly Perry he's after still but now he intends to make her the victim rather than the perpetrator well that's the other part that kind of doesn't hold up <clears throat> in this is that the the three people that he does affect that that initiate or nearly initiate um, a murder are all killing their spouse. And he has specifically made, you know, he killed his spouse because they made him do it, because Perry made him do it, Hmm. because, you know, they turned her against him, and that's why he's in jail. So it does make sense, you know, he says it, they have to live with that. They killed him, they have to live with it. Perry hasn't got a spouse. Kolchak hasn't got a spouse. Um, So it kind of throws the pattern out the door. I think it's it's probably a little bit of a mistake that that's what they did. Obviously, they wanted to throw us off and make us think that Perry was going to be the murderer committer. And who would she kill? Kolchak? Really? They're not that close. And so hmm. it's kind well, of so, weird. So it certainly doesn't. See, again, it seems too early yeah. to have established that. Maybe but, you could do something like that later on. But. Did they Did they throw this episode in early? And I don't know about the production order, right? So that's, this is me speculating. But, but it could be, you know, how we wanted to write it this way. There, there's a famous-ish. Uh, it won't be famous enough that you will probably have heard of it. But it... <laughs> It's relatively famous if you're a Star Trek fan. There's an episode of Star Trek called The Naked Time in which uh, basically, and it's very early in the series, and basically the crew are infected with something that makes them drunk. And what it does is it brings out, it brings out their, well, it's it's more dangerous than that, but it brings out their inner things that they hide. So that they, you know, we get to see, well, Spock is really having this thing about not being able to say he loves his mom. and, And Kirk is all obsessed with his ship and, you know, nurse chapel is in love with Spock and you know it brings out all these personalities and and the stated intent was that it allowed us to get these characters in front of the audience in such a way that we don't have to spend a lot of time revealing this it's just like boom there it is on the table we get them around get them around the room get them drunk and they they spill the beans and the audience now knows they did the exact same thing in Star Trek the Next Generation uh, within the first few episodes for exactly the same reason is this here because we get the opportunity to have a mind manipulator talking a little bit about Kolchak and so the questions we have is is he doing it because he's a reporter is he doing it because he's obsessed with his wife and Kaler says if you'll recall he's basically doing it for himself you know all the other people they're hypocrites I don't like them they're they're you know they're trying to do justice and whatnot but they're doing it to get bigger houses and nicer more money and and advance their careers but no Kolchak I respect you you're doing this for your own reasons and and the implication there is that he's doing it because he's trying to figure out what happened to his wife and that you know 
the job is secondary. So it is. The, it's a, it gives us a chance to have somebody kind of rummage around in his head a little bit hmm. for the character. And <clears throat> again, not perhaps as successfully as giving them a virus that seems like they're all drunk. And you know, uh, well, it, but even then, I kind of want. I'd kind of want a couple of episodes with sober Cold Jack before I got to see him drunk. Yeah. So yeah. I had, you know, I had some kind of reference point to understand what inner secrets, uh, th- you know, the inner secrets being revealed actually related to the person that I maybe had a little bit more sense of by then. And I did have a, I, I see a disconnect between this and the first episode as well. To me, the first episode is a werewolf episode. I mean, they don't come out and call it that yeah. at any point. It's, it's more concrete than many episodes of the X-Files were with mm-hmm. regards, I think. It, it, to me, it kind of felt like it was more, which, you know, may have been kind of going back to the original series, which was very, very concrete. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a werewolf. This is kind of like, this is probably a werewolf. It is, but, you know, we can't prove it's a werewolf. So, and and a lot of times, X-Files episodes were more like this one, where it's kind of ambiguous at the end, what was going on. The problem solved. It was definitely not normal, but we don't know what it was, and it wasn't really about a monster or anything. It was about a serial killer, which is very Mulder. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was his job, uh, profiling. And it just, yeah, it, it, it quite a bit different in tone. And I'm curious as to which is going to be prevalent, or is it is this going to be the difference between mythos and non-mythos stories in Nightstock? Uh, you yeah, know, are ones I directly see. related to his wife's death mythos, or will be ones yeah. directly related to the thing on the arm be mythos? Monster of the week, yes. Or monster of the week, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. So, God. well, I'm just, I'm curious because you mentioned this whole thing is resolved and we don't necessarily get all of the answers but we do get a resolution what did you think of how that came about um i think that there's a well i think that plays out a lot more cynically than um some shows from earlier decades might have shown out here because what we're, we're clearly showing is that the police and the warden have colluded to have a man murdered yep, yep and i think that that whether that really happens in real life i don't know it definitely does happen in other tv shows in the later years um because you know prison is Prison's a lot more violent place than it was in 1970s TV. Sure. If you were watching TV in the 1970s, you know, people were in gray suits or striped suits and they were stuck in their cell and playing the harmonica and uh, perhaps running a, a business or something on the side as a comedy relief. But, you know, here it's pretty much a violent gang ridden uh, death threats kind of pen in the animals place. And you, this isn't you can, just you can see dehumanizing the people in the prison. And, and that's kind of what they're doing that they're, they're taking the law into their own hands going, you know we need to get rid of this guy we can't prove it we can't prove he's doing this there's no way we're going to prosecute him for it we know he did it the cop knows he did it which i'm surprised that the cop's still on the job honestly you stopped him from killing his wife yeah yet you'd think maybe they'd make him take some time off or something but it doesn't seem to be that way <laughs> yeah or you know as they might have thought they'd give him a sleeping pill to make sure he didn't try again there you go that's a thought they might make it try so, again frankly the whole sleeping pill thing rather than just you know locking yeah. her up I thought the sleeping the sleeping pill thing was very very contrived um, but the the, quest, the 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 point you're making about the prison um, is interesting because I don't think it's just about the violence in the prison or how much is shown it's about the fact that this episode is resolved by vigilante justice now would all episodes of Bolchek the Night Stalker were resolved by <laughs> yes <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just saying, but yeah, okay. Yes, all right, they were. But to be fair, I complained about that. Yes, yes. And that's to be fair to me. To be fair to the show, certainly those earlier episodes, we were not dealing with human entities. So, right, right. I, I know you're not making an excuse and saying you should be killing non-human entities, but you well, might draw I, a distinction there. It, it, you might, you, uh, yes, you might indeed draw, draw a distinction. There is also, the, from, from a kind of storytelling point of view, there is also the question of agency here because what we get is our hero, Pose, if we have to call him that, is completely under the, the possession of Keylor. He has, through not having foreseen this, put himself in a position which makes him and Perry completely vulnerable to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, terribly so because he's behind her apartment steel door. Although we've got Vincenzo and, and Jane uh, trying to kind of resolve this and work this out, it's not their actions that resolve it. It's the bent copper and the the you know the corrupt the warden prison the corrupt prison warden yeah and the lynch mob inside that jail so where did they get the idea I, i'm 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 gonna posit an idea i'm not saying vincenzo did it but it is vincenzo apparently who convinces them that that guy needs to be moved far far away because i think he said that i, I got them yeah. to agree to transfer him to a prison in maryland or something yeah. and you know did, did was that the you get that to the cop and he goes you know something that that's a good idea. Let's transfer him far, far away. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, but you're not suggesting that w- that was Vincenzo. No, you know, Vincenzo was saying Maryland or hell. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But I mean, I think I think it's Vincenzo that, that gave them the idea of maybe separating Hale. And and let's face it, the cop is we call him bent. And, and okay, strict definition of the word, yes. But I think he's been thoroughly convinced that Kaylor is 100% behind this, and yes, he nearly he killed his wife and we know he got two other people who commit murder you know the cop is kind of taking the Kolchak old series position is like if nothing's going to stop this unless we just kill him and it, it is more troublesome because he is a person as opposed to an undead spawn of hell yeah. uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, and and of course, Kolchak has no agency in that in the resolution of this story, except that he's convinced people that this is where the problem the problem lies. So it is more yeah. journalism. He exposes the story, and the the authorities take care of the problem. I, I don't see your problem. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to use unconventional means. I, I no, I see but your I, point. Yeah, and I and I, I think I think the the point is that although you, although you are you're correct in this in appreciating the the cops the, the the cops motivation and what he's been through in this. That's because that's the story that they are telling. In other words, they are deliberately setting up a situation in which they can use vigilante justice in order to provide some kind of resolution. And it feels to me watching this that this is something we're supposed to feel is acceptable whereas it seems to me in a lot of for example the x-files episodes take you know look at the other comparison they do not take those things i was going to say lightly but i i guess i guess that's not that's not quite it but there's a much greater commitment to the rule of law and where 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 things go beyond the law that feels a lot more serious and that 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 to me is something that didn't appeal to me about this episode i mean the, the very fact that the crimes we see at the beginning 
beginning are very very brutal and yes. so you know they've chosen to to tell a story which includes that that kind of you know via the man, man beating his wife death with a baseball bat not to not yeah. to beat about the bush and <clears throat> so they've chosen to tell that sort of story and the and the purpose of that seems to be so that in the end they can resolve it with another form of violence and it makes me uncomfortable all right that's fair that's fair and i i believe i remembered the x-files episode i was thinking of about the prison death and it's not quite the same it is the voodoo voodoo episode where the guy in prison was like causing cars to drive into trees and the warden eventually takes him out and it's not prisoners he has a couple of the guards take him into the showers and beat him to death and look like the prisoners and then he gets his comeuppance the warden does so so it doesn't solve the problem it does kill the guy that was make doing the murders it solved the crime but then he comes back and takes his revenge yeah on the... so, so I, I i don't have a strong recollection of the episode because i haven't seen it recently unlike beyond the sea but i i guess the criticism would be the ki- killing the guy as a way to resolve the story and maybe that's you know a slightly convenient way to resolve the story but at least the warden then is not seen as getting away with it right right justice still comes up yeah in the end and what's last time basically nothing got resolved right they just they found the kid and they got the kid away yeah. and nothing was killed nothing was well one of the wolf creatures was was killed and, and burned before anyone could see the body <clears throat> but um yeah so here we have it'll be interesting to see how now that this idea has been brought forward how we're going to resolve these episodes uh, these stories because again you do have that we've talked about it in old Kolchak. you have Mulder is an agent of the law it is his job to stop these things mm-hmm. Kolchak is an agent of information it's his job to expose these things and you know that that was one of the things that i felt that when they when chris carter created the x-files and you know for all that he says that you know kolchak inspired a lot of that you know i think he sat down and he he fixed a lot of problems and that's one of them but here by going back to kolchak we are now to the guy he's not supposed to be solving these or resolving these maybe he's supposed to be solving the mysteries but he's not supposed to be resolving the situation and it will be interesting to see how they deal with that well they've sidestepped it here they sidestepped it here and in the last they've made perry the target in order to involve kolchak in the story so he's he's directly concerned with stopping it because well he in fact doesn't do anything to stop it but were it not stopped he would be a murderer and perry would be dead so in 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 that sense he can't he can't purely concern himself with exposing what's going on a couple things i want to bring up um with regards to you know trying to make kolchak our hero um but first i hate 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 the trope from the late 90s and early 2000s of having to end a tv series with a musical number where they're just i don't like that i've never liked that Um, but 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 house i know i know i i can i could walk away at the end of an episode of house when they do that i i don't like it um it dates the programs horribly (laughs) you know anytime you put contemporary sounding music in a show it's going to date terribly and it just yeah i i didn't like it there i didn't like here but but what i want to bring out about that is that of all the people we saw kolchak is the only one who fought it when he is when he's he you can see his brain is like i am not uh." nobody else had even the remote inkling of trying to do that and i'm not sure 
sure what that's supposed to be telling us. Whether it's supposed to be Kolchak has more awareness of what's going on, or Kolchak's stronger willed, or it's a different situation. And I don't know, but it, it it's noticeable that he is the only one that that fights it. Well, he, uh, he's he's our hero, and you know, it and that works could against be his just lack that. of agency in the resolution. And that could be it. We're expecting that. him to solve it. He's our hero. He can't he can't willingly go along with this. He has to be shown to be to be fighting it to be better. Yeah. When he's talking to his wife, if indeed his wife is being pulled out of his memories, then anything that she says must be from his from his own mind. It's kind of interesting that she, um, you know, one, Kolchak, uh, unlike the other people, Kolchak was like, how can you be here? He knows she's not. He knows she's dead. Yeah. He's talking to her as if she's dead. He looks at her hand to see if the mark is there. And he's like, no, it's, it's, or she shows it to him. It can be, it can be like it was before, before you were lost and searching for answers. So it's kind of, if that's Kolchak, then Kolchak knows that he's yes. kind of, that he's a lost soul. And if it's not, if she is an actual manifestation of something, which, <clears throat> um, then, then that might, it might mean something. That, that, but I, uh, anyway, that was. It's true because there was no, there was absolutely no surprise registered by the others. It was kind of like that thing in a dream where within the dream logic, you can go through a doorway and end up in another city and you're just like, yeah, yeah well, yeah, that happened. That's, you know, of course I remember now that's what things are like. And uh, it was almost like that, that kind of dream logic was occurring in the sense of, oh yeah, I'm sitting next to my, my dad chatting to him. The kind of recollections of, of that being so strong and so familiar, I guess, that none of them questioned the kind of contradictory thoughts that that person was no longer alive. Hmm. And Kolchak seemingly did. Oh, uh, to the cinematography. The husband and wife sitting at the beginning at the bleachers and the wife and they're like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't watch. And then she goes off and leaves to run the snow cone thing. And they've cut to a, you know, to a nice shot of profile of the husband. And he's watching the game just as like when his wife got up and walked off. In fact, I think she's walking off the end of that, at the end of that shot. And then dad, his dad is hidden behind him, completely invisible to the camera. And then just kind of leans forward and starts talking to him. It's completely natural. Yeah. Um, he wasn't there. You know, we did see a shot of the two of them sitting on the bleachers, but you just aren't going to notice this thing. Um, yeah. Cause there's people on the bleachers, but you know, you just the husband and wife having a conversation and then, then dad pulls forward and you go, Oh, well, you know, granddad was there watching the game too. Like it was it, beautifully done. I, I, yeah. I really, well, I, it's exactly that thing of your, your brain, which may have vaguely registered that he wasn't sitting there. Just adjust. Your I accept memory. it. He's there. I mean, yeah, I can't deny it. He's there. He's yeah. talking to him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I must have, you know, I registered something, but I must have, have mistaken it. Yeah. Oh, so that was, I, I think that's all I have. Um, that's all I have. Um, you know, a lot of it is, is, oh, I love the shot where, I, again, cinematography. I love the shot where he's pushing the book board and the manacles on his hand. The chain is just kind of... Yeah, pulling it, it forward. Well, it's, it's like not, it's not it's not so much the cinematography as the the soundscape. The that too, sound design. It, it just all, it, well, we'll put that to the director, I guess. Really, because he shows it, he gets the shot. I mean, it's a good shot. It's good sound. It's you know, it, it it may it's probably not written in the script. <laughs> you know, that's one of those things that sounds like something they would like. Like, but it just it, menacing. It was menacing. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I I full full points to the production on this this, this episode. I, I there's some problems with the perhaps with the story, but I guess we'll find out next time. 
time uh, where where they're going to go. Which, if I'm not mistaken, the name of the episode is Three. It is. Which I think was also an episode title of an X Files episode. Oh, wasn't that the one that. with the vampires? The, I don't remember the, the three vampires in Los Angeles when Mulder was going through oh. his crisis of. I could be wrong there. Well, I guess I'll Very I'll look right. it up. I'll look it up, and next time I'll admit it if I was wrong. <laughs> when I put there. Anything else uh, that you'd like to bring up? That's all I've got. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me. A pleasure, as always. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.